This is the Real Estate Investing Abundance Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Allen. I know you're excited to get into today's show, but I have a very exciting announcement to share with you before moving to the show. We've just launched a complimentary and comprehensive webinar that, among other things, shows you how to legally use passive real estate investing to reduce your taxes, recession-proof your nest egg, and take the sting out of inflation. If you are curious to learn more, go to steetalker.com forward slash webinar. It is complimentary and only takes a couple of minutes of your time. Once again, that is steetalker.com forward slash webinar. I'll see you in the webinar. Enjoy today's show. Hello, enlightened investors. Welcome back to Real Estate Investing Abundance. I'm your host, Dr. Allen, and it is indeed a pleasure to be back with you again today. We're going to look at going from franchises to real estate and how diversification in investing can lead to long-term wealth. With us today is Todd Silence, and he is a corporate consultant turned business owner and real estate investor. In just under five years, Todd has built a real estate portfolio of over 25 million and 160 units, along with being a limited partner in over 450 units nationwide. So Todd, take us into the show and share a key moment from your life that was pivotal in helping you to be who you are today. Sure, Alan, and thanks again here first for having me on the show. Really been looking forward to it. And one of the key moments, I guess I would say, is probably right before getting into real estate full-time for me was making that decision or transition. Um, it's kind of something throughout my career, whether it was working in the corporate world or owning a, a business as a franchise, but was just taking action. And this particular moment was I was still working in my corporate career, doing a lot of travel at the time and kind of was away from my family. And I had come back from a trip, a work a work trip there and was going on vacation with my family. But at, like literally after that week vacation, I was leaving to go out of town again. And that was the moment for me that was like, was the, I need to make a change and work towards something to kind of transition out of that corporate career. And I can go into my background later, but at that moment was talking to my wife and said, Hey, you started, I started digging into real estate as a way to invest passively, but generate passive income. And in that moment, driving to the beach was when I told her, give me six months and I want to transition into real estate, do whatever I can to start investing, you know, potentially, whether it's passively or actively. And right then and there was when I started to take action from podcasts to meetups. And I just wanted to move forward every day towards that goal. And that's a moment that really sticks out is whether it was earlier in my corporate career or when we decided to open a business was always taking action. And if I wanted to achieve something, I got to put the work in and I got to actually be the one to take action and move forward. And that's what I did when I decided to to move into real estate and start my invest in, investing career. Well, why is it uh, that building relationships is so important? Well, I think anywhere in life, I think relationships are integral, whether it's in your family life, your personal, your business life, um, it could be your corporate career, 
having relationships, and especially I'll tie it into real estate now, can lead you to many different opportunities. And, you know, making sure, as I always tell my kids, you know, don't burn bridges because you never know later in life when an opportunity may arise and that prior relationship or your network can help you. And I think that's really big in the in the real estate world. As you know, it's as much as it's it's, you know, oh, there's real estate across the country. It's still a small world when you come to different investors and operators. And having cultivating those relationships, being a potential good part, you know, being a great partner, being someone with integrity, honesty will take you far in this industry and allow you to potentially partner with you know, other groups or other other people out there. So I think you know, making sure you cultivate relationships is going to help you in all aspects of life. A lot of real estate investors talk about their big why. Uh, tell us what your big why is and why that is important. Yeah, I think, you know, my why for me is pretty s- simple. What always dr- drives me is being the having availability for my family. And that was, as I mentioned earlier, kind of that one moment when I made the decision that, hey, I, I wanted to transition from a corporate career into potentially real estate. And I loved what I did. Like I loved being a training consultant. I loved working with people and you know teaching seminars, but it was pulling me away from my family. And what I really loved was coaching my kids team, you know, what being being around for when the kids get off the school bus because I had my, my kids kids were young there. So that's what drives me and and is my why. And that even goes back to when we opened our first franchise, you know, before I even had kids, that was why we did it. It was looking into the future as a way of, hey, if we are going to have a family, I wanted to have time available. And I wanted to be, I wanted to have that freedom of time. And that's why we opened our first business, you know, went into owning a business to do that and was fortunate to achieve that. My wife was able to be around for my kids, but I stayed in the corporate world. And then as that pulled me away from, from family and kind of I lost that that vision or the, my, of the, my why is when I decided to really make the transition into real estate there and and allow and real estate has allowed me to to have that passive income and and now now a career in it. Well, why did you select uh, multifamily for your real estate investment? Uh, yeah, that's a great that's a great question, Alan. Because I, it, to be honest, that wasn't that when I first got into real estate, that wasn't that wasn't really where I was going with it. I was I took the path of I'm gonna buy or I'm gonna invest in single family homes and rentals, and that's really what I did. You know, I, the first six months after making the decision to like telling my wife I'm gonna I want to invest in real estate, we bought a single family home for a rental. And then, you know, bought a second and bought a third and multifamily wasn't, wasn't like still on the radar. It was, okay, I'm going to buy single family properties, but two things happened. One, I met an investor who actually I bought a single family property from. And like, after we closed, he's like, Hey, you know, it's great. You're, you're acquiring a bunch of single families, but he's like, I'm kind of selling some of my, I'm pretty much offloading all my single family homes. He's like, my, my suggestion would be invest in multifamily. And he's like, you, you know, you can start small multifamily and, you know, eventually scale. He had, I think he had at the time, like his largest building was maybe like 80 or 90 units. And he just said, look, when you have, you know, a roof leak, but you have 15 or 20 single family homes, that's 15 or 20 different roofs. But if you have a 20 unit apartment building with one roof, it's one roof, you know, all the water heaters are in one building, etc." Plus he, he started, you know, letting me know about economies of scale. Cause I had these single family properties and I'm like, 
okay, after all expenses, you know, mortgages, et cetera, I'm cash flowing $500 a month. Is that going to get me to the financial freedom to be able to potentially leave a corporate job pretty fast? It wasn't. It would take me a lot of single family homes. And that's where kind of the the light switch went on when I was like, wait a minute, economies of scale here. We can leverage to get some larger multifamily buildings, more units, you know, in, increase the income there on the property. So that's kind of the transition. And it started small. You know, it went to four units, then to 10 or 12 and 18 to 35 and and now some larger properties but that was my journey into it and and right now our focus is you know, kind of that mid-size 20 to you know 75 units is really where we like to focus on just from a management standpoint an asset management standpoint and and also in our local market you mentioned uh, this the economies of scale in terms of uh, financial freedom you didn't mention the the really reason you were going into real estate was time freedom. And single family homes are just not the way to buy time freedom. Agree, agree. you know, right? Exactly. I, it is the single family, especially if you're going to self-manage. And, and early on in my career, it was me self-managing. You know, I had the contractors, we had contacts in my market that I would utilize, but ultimately I was acting as the property manager. I was coordinating it. We were using software, but when maintenance requests came in, I was getting the maintenance request. So it's at night after my job, you know, my corporate job, here I am like checking maintenance requests, making sure rents are paid, et cetera. And it does, it takes a ton of time. So at once we started scaling and getting more properties, it was, we need professional third-party property management. But then also, as you mentioned, the time freedom, as you started getting larger buildings and economies of scale, it allowed me not give give up that property management and I get back my time, you know, that I'm there available for my family. Right. Well, Todd, give us a little idea here into what your background has been uh, in corporate America. And was that background, has it been beneficial to you in the multifamily investment uh, business? It, it really, it has. You know, my background, I, as I mentioned, I didn't get into real estate until about since about 2018. You know, 2019 is when we bought our first property there. Prior to that, you know, I came, I kind of took the traditional route of went to college and out, I came coming out of college, you know, got a corporate job. I was in the insurance industry in many different roles, started as a claims adjuster um, in, in the personal lines property space. And I, and I enjoyed it. I really did enjoy uh, the different jobs and eventually progressed into, I was a learning and performance co- consultant in the, in the industry there. And what I took from that, from management, you know, it it transitioned into into managing real estate now and into managing our team and with our company Summit Summit Capital. But during my journey early on in my career, as I mentioned, we bought an Anytime Fitness franchise, and that was early with my wife and I. And it was for us. Our goal was early on that we wanted to see have that freedom of time, and we thought owning a business was going to do that for us. You know, we were young and naive. And thinking well, you open a business and you're good to go, you're going to make all this money. I'll never have to work again. But owning a business and running a business, you know, especially if you are the business and in it, takes a lot of time and energy. And and you know, we talked about freedom of time here. That for us, that wasn't the case when we opened a, our first location with the franchise. And um, but after a lot of hard work, we were able to 
get that really successful, put management and a team in place, and and the business opened a second location from there within the franchise and allowed us to get that that time freedom back. It allowed my wife to just stay at home with our kids. We had a young family at the time. And the businesses were doing great. And I went back and focused on my corporate career because I enjoyed what I did until again, 15 years into it, it started pulling me, pulling me away, away from my family. And, and then I made the transition into, into real estate. So are you still in the franchise business? We are. Yeah. We currently have, we ended up selling, we, we've since sold one of our locations. We still do have one anytime fitness. We, we love the franchise business. You know, we really in, enjoy that. It's for us, again, it's, it's an investment, right? It's a business that provides that income for, for us along with real estate. But just like managing an operation, managing a business with, you know, we have a, a manager and staff there and having the, the way it's organized translates into real estate. So, cause you know, from asset management, we have to manage a business. We have to manage the asset of, of a gym franchise. Well, I took that experience and those skills allowed me to parlay it into working in the, you know, in the real estate with our real estate company, because we're providing opportunities for investors. We now take passive, you know, investment investments from investors and we're purchasing apartment buildings to syndicate that. And, you know, we, we have to manage with my partner and I, we have to be the asset managers. We have to work with vendors. We have to work with contractors, um, construction management, et cetera. So that the experience, not only for my corporate career, but also, you know, running and owning a gym business has really helped us be successful in the, in running a real estate business. Share with our audience what you have to offer and how it is they can take advantage of that. Yeah, right now, like I said, what we try doing or, or, or my main goal is educating potential investors, passive in investors that the benefits of real estate. I love, you know, being still in the franchise business of owning an anytime fitness. We work with, or I still work with, you know, I go to conferences, we have annual conferences, but I'm also part of like business owner groups there that these are business owners that love owning a franchise or love owning a business. And, and a lot of them focus on that business and they put everything into it. And sometimes they don't plan for retirement or they don't have other investments than their business. When COVID hit a bunch of years ago, you, you kind of remember when things shut down, it impacted the gym or the fitness world, right? Gyms were closed. So those owners and, the, and some of those that did not have potential other investments or other sources of income, like it was a, it impacted them. They had no income coming in. So for me, I, you know, I love educating and working with other owners and it doesn't even have to be within the, in, in, in the fitness world, but just anybody who's really passionate about what they do that, Hey, there's opportunities to invest in real estate and you can get the benefits, the tax benefits. You can, you can get the benefits of passive income plus, you know, appreciation. And especially if we, you know, move on at, at sale there of the property, but why don't you invest some of your, your money in, into real estate? And then we can provide those opportunities, whether it's through properties that we source, acquire and manage, or even partnerships where we might, you know, co-GP on, co-GP on a deal with another, another operator. And that goes back to, you know, building networks, you know, for us, it's, it's building partnerships because we still want to provide opportunity for our investors. We may not have a deal in our market, but you might have a deal, you know, where you are or somewhere else. And I want to build a relationship with potential other operators that we trust that we know, so we can still provide some, some passive investment opportunities to our investors. Enlightened investors, if you haven't done so already, 
be sure and click that like button and also click that share so others can take advantage of the content. And finally, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single one of our upcoming episodes. Well, looking at today's economy and the uncertainties involved in all of that today, I know this is looking into your crystal ball, but where do you see uh, the economy going uh, the next half of this year and on into uh, to next year? Yeah, that's. I wish I, I wish I really did have that crystal ball to know exactly where it's going to go and what's going to happen. Because I would, I would love to uh, to say, hey, this is where I'm going to put my money or what I'm going to do. You know, I, I don't know the future, but what we're doing right now is we're still, we still are sourcing and looking for deals in our target markets, building those relationships. Because when it comes to the economy now. Mainly, we look. You're looking at rates. I know we're talking. Everyone's talking interest rates and, and inflation, and and what's the Fed going to do there? My opinion, I think when it comes to interest rates, you may see another slight uptick, but I don't. I think we're near the top. I mean, what do I know? But you might start seeing towards the end of this year. I was just on a call yesterday with um, one of our our finance brokers there because we we're looking at a deal, and and they're thinking towards the end of the year, you, you might start coming down. You're getting into an election cycle, so I do think you might see rates adjust a little bit. However, softening you know certain markets, I we haven't seen cap rates softening a ton like as much as I thought you would have in certain in certain markets there. So. Things are a little tricky. I would say first quarter of this year, deal, deal flow was pretty much non-existent for us in our markets. It was very, very slow. We've seen it open up a little bit there. Um, there's still a little separation between stuff that we're looking at in, in, our, in our target property range um, up to about 75 units. We still see some separation from what sellers are looking for when it comes to price and still thinking you know, cap rates are... 2021, early 2022 cap rates, at least attempting right now. And then we'll see, we, I've been seeing some price correction there. For us, we stay with our fundamentals. We continue to underwrite uh, conservatively what we've always done. And if I we can get a deal to work now in today's market with today's interest rates, we know it's going to be a really good deal when the rates do adjust or things change in the market, if it's cash flowing now and we can project those returns, it's a good deal now. I don't need to wait till till it's a better deal in the future. So that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, it, uh, it's amazing to me how strong the seller market has continued to be. But I think mostly it, it is because there has just been a huge shortage uh, in workforce housing. And yeah. I mean, the shortage is just astronomical. And so the sellers are holding on to their, to their prices and they seem to be able to be able to do that. I understand, though, that there are a lot of loans that are uh, coming due and readjusting, and so that is supposedly supposed to bring us some buyer opportunities, but they thus far have not materialized. So we will see where it goes. It's kind of a mystery to me as to how strong the seller market has remained. 
It is. It, it is a mystery to, to your point. I've heard that too. We haven't seen it just yet about, you know, some of these loans coming up and you're going to, you know, so they're going to have to sell. Um, what we've been seeing in, in our market a lot has been deals with about one and a half to two years left with loan, you know, floating them out there now saying, Hey, you can get a loan assumption. The bank's willing to do a loan assumption. There's 18 months left. It's at, you know, 4%, four and a quarter on that. Again, the challenge though is in 18 months or 12 months, when that's up, where will rates be, you know, to underwrite that? But I think that's, that's ways right now we're seeing sellers trying to still achieve their price by saying, Hey, you can get this property. It's only got a 4% interest rate on it right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and let the buyer absorb the high interest rates in the two years. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so yes. Well, Todd, what has been uh, one of your uh, biggest setbacks in your real estate investing uh, career, and how did you come through that? And what were some of the lessons you learned from it? Yeah, uh, great question. That's a that's a really good question. I mean, one of the I'll I'll go to kind of my transition or my transition going from the outside a single family, but like the, the smaller multifamily into a little bit larger multifamily from the capital raise standpoint is, you know, once we started providing opportunities to bring investor investors in, we didn't, I didn't do a good job for me of, of saying, Hey, here's an opportunity for an investor to come in and this is why the deal would be great for you, but I'm not going to sell them. For me, it was almost like that mindset shift of it's going from, Hey, can you give me money? Like, how can I need this money? You know, I need I need a million dollars to close. You know, I need to raise a million dollars. Oh, thank you so much. Like, what can I do? And one of our early deals there, we had a capital partner that went out and was going to basically bring all the equity and the money to it. And instead of us saying, this is the deal, this is the terms, this is why it's a great deal. When we approached them, we were trying to to really appease what they wanted, whatever they would want, you know, okay, how you want more equity on the deal, this, because they were writing one large check for instead of me having to go raise it from, from multiple investors. And ultimately the terms just would not, it didn't make it a good deal then um, if we would have went forward with that partnership. And they actually backed out like really at the 11th hour, kind of put us in a real tough spot about 30 days before closing. Now we were fortunate. That's where we realized we had to buckle down, my partner and I, but we went out and were able to raise the capital relatively quick. And that's when the light kind of flipped on or the switch flipped for me going, wait a minute, instead of me out here thanking and trying to like, I call it like beg for the money. We realized when we presented this to outside investors, we were providing them an opportunity to invest in real estate passively where they didn't have to get their hands dirty, but they were going to get really good returns on it and get the benefits. And that kind of changed our mindset in capital raising and the next deal and the next deal on how we would present it and allowed us to be a little more confident. So I think it was a little bit of inexperience of raising that kind of money for the deal and, and not really understanding the value we were providing to investors. And, and we were fortunate that the deal didn't fall, uh, fall apart. The seller was really comfortable. You know, the seller was great. I'll give him credit because he allowed us due to that. We had a bump closing another 30 days. And it really could have been with our LOI. He could have, he could, it was a hard money. Like he could have walked away and said, you guys can't make close and I'm going on to the next person. And, 
you know, keeping a hundred thousand bucks, but they didn't. So that it was, that was definitely a learning experience for us. And some sleepless nights made us sweat a little bit there to try to come up with the capital, but we were able to do it. And since then it's really helped us in, in our future deals. Our- yeah. Well, hard lesson uh, in some respects, but it turned out well for you and uh, a good lesson to have learned. But, you know, it's easy, uh, I think, for a lot of us to think that uh, that there's a savior out there for us and that uh, savior actually can be more of a vampire than, yeah. than an actual savior. So, yeah. That is true. Good lesson to have learned there. Yeah. Well, Todd, it has been a pleasure having you today. Uh, thank you for sharing your experiences and uh, enlightening us with your Uh, expertise. Thanks for being on the show today. Alan, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be a guest on your show. Enlightened investors, wait, wait, don't go just yet. I just want to remind you about our recently launched webinar that you will not want to miss. If you're at all curious and would like to learn more about how real estate investing can diversify your investment portfolio, alleviate the anxiety associated with Wall Street swings, leverage your 401ks and IRAs to substantially increase the return on your investment, and do all of this with turnkey, hands-off, passive real estate investments, then you'll want to immediately go to stetalker.com forward slash webinar. In the webinar, we'll also address the common dubious investment schemes that you want to avoid. To access the webinar, go to stetalker.com forward slash webinar. I look forward to seeing you in the webinar. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance brought to you by Steve Talker Capital a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steve Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steve Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at stevetalker.com.